and welcome to Growing Pains, the marketing podcast for parent and baby brands who want to grow and get more consistent sales, but without the overwhelm of feeling like you have to be online 24-7. I'm Sophie, your host and a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist who specializes in parent and baby brands, as well as a mum of two girls. Join me each week as I, alongside some wonderful guests, share practical tips and advice about how you can use and combine marketing strategies to get more impact for your effort. Okay, so today I am thrilled to be here with Kelly from Cheer Up Marketing. Kelly has over 13 years experience in digital marketing. She's passionate about helping business owners to generate consistent leads and revenue through email marketing, allowing them to step away from socials and make more sales. As well as copywriting email campaigns for her clients, Kelly teaches email marketing via her signature group program, Electric Email, and her free Facebook group, From Spam to Wham, which I absolutely love, by the way. She likes to drink Yorkshire tea two cups in the morning please it's a girl after my own heart and can be found wherever music is playing which includes her local gym where she won't be breaking any records but will definitely be breaking into a sweat so kelly welcome to the podcast hi thanks for having me i am so pleased you're here so that's the official intro which is fab Mm -hmm. by the way um i do feel like i know you already let's talk a little bit about you what's your like work family life kind of setup Oh, okay. I'm glad you asked that because family life is the whole reason that I am running my own business these days. So as you mentioned, I've got a lot of years experience in digital marketing (laughs) and I actually left my role as head of marketing for an international software company back at the end of 2019 because I decided to sell this business, Cheer Up Marketing, and go it alone after doing it as a bit of a side hustle for a few months. So I did that because I had my daughter back in 2017 and after going back to work part-time, I did two days a week for a little bit, then three days a week. Mm-hmm. I decided that when it got to her going to school in a couple of years, I wanted to be able to take her there and back and not have to use any um, sort of childcare or anything around, wrap yeah. around school care stuff. So I thought, right, I'm going to run my own business <laughs> as you do. So she's the whole reason that I'm doing this now. And I am so grateful for that because Right now, I feel I have a really good balance between um, work. Well, it's not a balance. It's an integrate. I have great integration of work life and family life. So I get to take my daughter to and from school every day. We walk. It's wonderful. I can uh, go off to the gym in the afternoon and all that kind of stuff. I work about 20 hours a week. So having an online business has been amazing for me in terms of, yeah, that you know, elusive balance or work-life integration, as I prefer to call it. Yeah, me too. I think balance is, it's, I think especially with us, like mums working around our businesses, Mm -hmm. like it is just that constant like flip between, isn't it? Like life and work and children Mm -hmm. and personal time. And I think it's just about integrating it all in the best way that works for you, isn't it? Totally. So I think I've, I've got that down now. It's, it's been a journey. Yeah, so that's been incredible. Years now. I think that's the beauty of online business. And I know we're going to get into this, but email marketing, you can automate stuff. So it's running and nurturing while you're off doing something else. And yeah, there's loads of other benefits that have helped me to grow my business to where it is now. So I'm sure we will dive into that on this oh, episode. Absolutely will. So what I first, before we jump into all of that great stuff, I've got a bit of a quick fire round for you so we can get to know mm-hmm. you a bit better. So just a few quick fire questions, okay? So sure. first up, tea or coffee? Tea. 
Yeah, I feel like I might have known that already from your intro. <laughs> Dogs or coffee. cats? <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say if it's coffee, it's got to be decaf because it just sends me absolutely whizzy. So. Do you know, I'm still like not adult enough to drink coffee. Like I just find it like too much. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> I, I know I should try decaf actually yeah although I just feel like I'm just it's one of those things I'm just gonna let lie and just be like do you know what tea's my You've thing got this far. Yeah. I've got this far I'm happy I've managed to like evolve into liking um olives and red wine which also See? were a bit too adult for me Go so together as well and they really do wine. really do okay dogs or cats cats I've got two they oh, are me too. getting on they're about 16 mm. now so oh, wow. yeah but you're not a dog person, too, too woofy. <laughs> they leave fur everywhere. All right, my cats leave fur, but they don't jump up me or whatever. So yeah, yeah got to be cats. Because okay. you can leave them when you go on holiday, like get someone just to come feed them. And that is the right. biggest thing. They are mm-hmm. so much more self-sufficient, aren't they? they that are, is, yes. yeah. Uh, bagels or crumpets? Oh, so I probably eat bagels five days out of seven because I generally Do have you? lunch every day. Yeah. Oh, they're wow. full of protein, you know. So if you want to get your protein up, I'm oh, interested they? in that sort of, Yeah, they're great. A bit of ham in there and some hummus or whatever. Mm. But I do love a crumpet with salty butter on. But yeah. sadly, they don't really help with the old protein count. So no, I was going to say, I can't imagine crumpets have a high protein level. Yeah, in carbs them, and so. fat, you know, carbs which is fine if you're in the mood for that. But I, I do have bagels more often. Yeah. Oh, it's good to know about the protein. I feel like that mm. might give me an excuse to eat more, actually. Beach or pool? Oh, beach. Nice. Uh, winter or summer? Summer, 100%. My ideal temperature is 23 degrees. Oh my God. Um, I have an ideal temperature as well. <laughs> yeah. And what it was it? very similar. I def anything over 25 is too hot for me. Like yeah. I just need to be in the shade. But mm-hmm. under like 20, and I've got a bit of a chill. So yeah. yeah. I would say perfect. 23 is pretty perfect. I'm going to go with you on that one. Color or monochrome? Color. Yeah, pastel well, colours pastel colours your mm. branding is amazing mine's really bright and colourful as well and as soon as I saw your website I was like we're gonna get on this is gonna be great <laughs> <laughs> uh, early morning or late night right so this has definitely changed since becoming a mum I was mm. definitely not a morning person and honestly the first like 12 months of my daughter's life it was just just so hard getting up with a small child like they wake you up at 6am or, or earlier and you just want I just wanted to cry but anyway now she's trained me into being a morning person and I actually set my alarm to get up before she does so I can have a cup of tea journal um, sit there in yeah. peace for half an hour so I would say I'm definitely a morning person now and if I'm still up after 10 o'clock I'm getting really stressed I just want to get to bed yeah I'm with you I need to be asleep by 10 o'clock although that yeah. is I'm for exactly the same reason because my children are early risers so <laughs> I don't know why I feel like if it's genetic I mean I much mm. prefer a lion but now I'm kind of conditioned to it as well so mm-hmm. lovely I feel like we've got to know you a little bit more shall we jump into the magical world of email marketing let's do it let's it is a do it world. absolutely <laughs> okay so I think a lot of our listeners will kind of resonate with this they really typically you start off your business you know you set up your website and one of the first things you do is set up your social media like often Instagram I think for a lot of my audience it's really easy to do and you sort of get a bit of traction and you get going and then often you kind of get stuck at a point where you've just got the same followers you're maybe not growing as much and you're not really sure what to do next so why is it that you think uh, businesses the next step they should take should be that email list Yeah, great question. And like everybody else that you just mentioned, the very first things that I did with my business were I set up my website, I got myself an Instagram domain, 
changed over my LinkedIn. Um, and then maybe sort of three, four months later, I started a Facebook group. But because of my experience in marketing, I knew from the very beginning that I wanted to start and grow an email list because my experience showed me that when, you know, running marketing campaigns for all of the companies that I've worked for, it's the reach and the measurability and the reliability of email that trumps social media. So once you've got that list and you're nurturing it and you then put out an email to say, hey, come and work with me, look at my stuff that I've got for sale or look at my offers, you're going to get more traction that way than on social. So luckily for me, I had that experience and um, you know, knew from the beginning I wanted to start an email list. So I think it's really important that more business owners know this about marketing. Yeah. It's kind of become my, like I'm on a mission to make more entrepreneurs, especially women-owned businesses, know that email marketing is so powerful and yeah. to get on that train like earlier on in business. And yeah, it's because I have definitely seen for myself, starting my list from zero, I remember I got to 30 subscribers and that's when I sent my first email out and then I committed. Like once a week, I'm sending this email, come rain or shine. And that's what I've done. Um, and I've grown that list, nurtured it. And now when I put out an email saying, hey, I've got some space to work with me one-to-one or I'm launching my group program or, you know, do you want me to write your emails for you? Whatever it is, I send it out an email and I know reliably what I'm going to get back. So you can work out the numbers, like how many subscribers you've got what kind of click rate you're going to get, what kind of um, conversion rate you're going to get. Whereas with Instagram, like you say, you can definitely gain some traction in the early days. And it's an amazing tool to make marketing accessible with zero budget. You know, you can just go in there and set up a profile and start going. But, oh my God, it's unreliable. So thinking about just relying on Instagram or my Facebook group, which gosh, it's crickets at the moment. I'm really struggling to get any kind of traction there now. Brings me out in a cold sweat, frankly. It's like I need to have that email list so I know that when I send an email, roughly how many people are actually going to open it how many are going to click and then what kind of result I can expect in terms of the leads it's going to generate. So I want everyone to have that, this reliable way of connecting with their audience. Yeah. To bring in the leads and the sales ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, you sort of touched on it in your intro, you know, most of my audience are mums running businesses and we're juggling, you know, we're juggling all the time. And I talk to a lot of mums who just feel like this constant, weight on their shoulder like oh I should be posting on Instagram I should be doing reels I should be you know doing all this stuff that feels Mm -hmm. like it's a never ending like you never have a day off like even you know I'm not technically working today but I need to put a post out like it just feels like a lot sometimes doesn't it and I think in your intro you sort of said you know there are automate email has that amazing benefit of the automations where you can set things up and you can nurture potential customers and clients through those sequences without even doing anything so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that next the difference between like you said you email your list once a week always (laughs) versus these automated things that go on without you having to kind of get involved each week yeah that's a great question I love to chat around that so The newsletter stuff, that is the kind of drip, drip, drip content that is always talking to my key messages I know my ideal clients need to hear about. So I've worked really hard on refining my content pillars over the last Mm -hmm. couple of years I've been in business, where I know the things that I need to shout about from my little soapbox over here and help my ideal clients to understand about email marketing. So number one is why you need it. So all of the stuff I share on how it's helped my business, why you shouldn't rely on just social media, why it's really important to grow your list. 
that is something that my weekly newsletter content will talk around. So I will share, you know, behind the scenes in my business and how email is helping me. So that kind of aspirational content. I will share what's going on with my clients. I will share sometimes the odd horror story of somebody losing all their Instagram followers and ah, this is why you need an email list. Yeah. That kind of thing. Or so, Instagram's gone down. Like, yes, yeah. Oh, it's a great one for you. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that kind of the content that my ideal client need to understand and they need to keep reading it over and over again until the penny drops. That's what my newsletters are. But it's also about getting them to know me as a person. So I'm really hot on storytelling emails. So I will share a lot, you know, about what's going on in my life and my business. And most of the time I can make an analogy between something that's going on at home or a funny story or something that happened to me and tie it back to email marketing in some way. So I love a good analogy. But ultimately, I work really closely with my clients. So one-to-one, that's, you know, an intense period of working with me. And in the group program, you know, we also talk in every week on on Zoom and stuff. So it's very much, if you don't like me, (laughs) then we're not going to work well together. So you've got to kind of get this feel of who I am, what I'm about, and the type of person I am. So it's growing the know, like, and trust factor, as we talk about in marketing. That's what the weekly content should be doing. And then when you're consistently landing in your subscriber's inbox with that, drip, 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 do you like me? You know, this is what I'm all about. This is what you need to understand about the service that I offer then you're well-placed to ramp it up in terms of sales campaigns. So going from a drip, drip, drip weekly email, or or actually moved up to two newsletters a week now, to maybe having a week where you're pushing bookings for discovery calls or sales calls or sending people over to a sales page or whatever, that works really nice. I think if you're sending less frequently than once a week, it can be tricky to then ramp up that momentum. So when I'm launching... I will send an email every day for two whole weeks, but I can do that because my subscribers have been consistently hearing from me in the run-up and they like me, otherwise they would have unsubscribed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they know what I'm all about and why I'm selling this thing. So that's the purpose of the weekly content is to keep yourself front of mind in your subscribers' inbox, get them to know what you're all about, understand how you can help them, help them to understand the problem that they have. So a lot of people don't realize that it's not an issue if they haven't got an email list. So I'm on that mission to educate people on that. Yeah. And just picking up on that point about, you know, if you're not, I think it's quite common for, um, especially for, I know you focus mostly on say um, service businesses, but for e-com businesses in particular, you get like 10% discount when you sign up. So it's a really common one to get people on your email list. So many clients then don't use that email list. They just have people sitting there and actually it grows to a reasonable size. People use the 10%. But then when you want to do a sale or a launch or, a, you know, a Christmas or Black Friday or something where you want people to engage with them and then you bombard them with emails, that's when it gets yeah. really tricky, isn't it? And you don't see the results. And I think that's mm-hmm. where it's that understanding, isn't it? That you're not seeing results because email doesn't work. You're not seeing results because you haven't nurtured that list you've just kind of left them sitting there and then gone in for a sale for two weeks constantly. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's really important to be consistent. I think for e-com as well, I know a lot of people offer the 10% off. I don't Mm. think it's really best practice because definitely me as an email subscriber, I have certainly signed up for 10% discount as my first purchase and then immediately unsubscribe from all marketing emails. I'm just there for the free stuff. So I do think e-commerce and product businesses can be a lot smarter with the hook that they're offering to get people onto their email list. There's loads of stuff you could share around how to 
make use of the product or, you know, whatever the desired transformation is that your customers want to achieve. There's lead magnets and stuff you can share around that rather than just offering the money off from the outset. So yeah, I think people, e-commerce could do well to be perhaps a little bit more creative with getting those Mm. email addresses and then keeping them warm. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I interrupted you. So, and then automated sequences. Yes. Okay. So this is the side that I really, really love because the nurturing, the initial phase of nurturing. So when somebody first signs up to your email list, if you can automate a nurture sequence, so a welcome email, like getting to know your sequence, getting to know them, then you know at the point where that subscriber first joins your list and they're like most receptive to hearing from you, they've just signed up, they're expecting something to come back that if you can automate that, so your, you know, that nurture sequence, that welcome sequence is running in the background. So you don't have to manually, um, you know, contact everybody. You know that the job has been done well automatically from the moment that they join your list. So I'm a big fan of sequences. So that's an example of one. If you're listening to this and you're relatively new to email marketing, or you've got a list and you haven't set up any automations yet, your first one is to make sure that when folks join your list, that you're sending them a welcome email or better still, a sequence of emails that's going to take them through who you are, what you're about, and basically why they should be listening to you and what kind of content you're going to be sending. So that's what I do with mine. And then the next phase on from that is if you are wanting to launch something or you know create a sales campaign of any kind, you'll want to be ideally creating all of that together. So all of those emails and then scheduling them to go out. There's nothing more stressful. If you're a service-based business, you'll know this if you've tried to launch anything. So perhaps, you know, a new service um, or even something like a group program or a membership, trying to create those emails live while you're in the launch is the most God awful <laughs> experience. Yeah. So I, yeah, I highly recommend if you're launching anything or you know what's coming up to create all of that amazing promotional content beforehand and automate it so then you can show up live on your Instagram stories or Facebook lives or wherever whatever live content you're doing to drum up the excitement while you're launching but you know email's got your back because they're going out at the times that you specify they're driving traffic to your sales page they're driving call bookings or inquiries or whatever so you can just like that's done email is done I just need to show up on Instagram stories and talk about this thing so I love it for that reason too saves your energy absolutely and you can then you know write and schedule those emails when you're in that frame of mind and have Mm. the energy don't you and then kind of flip yeah batching maybe your friend I know if I'm doing sequences of emails I like to sit and write them all in one go if possible or if it's quite like a mega sequence of a lot of emails maybe over the course of a few days just because I find it more efficient getting Mm. the zone with that one particular message so what you're trying to do from a marketing perspective your objectives to get those emails written in one go um, can be much more efficient than doing one a day or whatever and get in the zone, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. And as we're talking about multiple sending lots of emails to people, mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest pushbacks I often get is, you know, oh, well, I have hundreds of emails <laughs> sitting in my inbox. They're not even open. Like, is there any point to email? Like, do people even read emails anymore? Oh yeah, I love this one. So I will, there'll always be someone pipes up on a training that I'm doing (laughs) like, well, I hate getting emails. I never read them. Like I just want, you know, I can't stand it. Marketing emails that drive me mad and like, great. I'm glad you asked this question or you made that statement. So number one, it's absolutely true that most emails sent every day are rubbish. (laughs) So we've all got emails and we're like, oh my God, like I don't want to hear from this person anymore. It's boring. They're just selling me the same thing over and over again, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
So that doesn't mean just because other emails are rubbish that your emails have to be rubbish as well. You can be the person whose emails your subscribers look forward to opening. So don't think you have to send bad emails just because you get bad emails. Secondly, you can't argue with the numbers. So, you know, just because you don't read emails, billions of people in the world read emails. So email marketing has been around, email has been around for over 40 years. Can you even believe it's massive? And I know from my own email marketing stats that the emails I send out get more engagement and gain more traction than the equivalent message on social media because your reach on social media is throttled by the algorithm the dreaded algorithm ah the algorithm I know everyone hates the algorithm yes like how do you play the algorithm well I don't know just get an email list and then you don't need to I would say that it is you're going to get more reach. So this is why email is important. Now, I think the stats around Instagram are maybe five to 6% of your followers will see your stories. It's a similar number for posts in a Facebook feed, isn't it? So if you can get, you know, sort of 20 to 40% open rate of your emails, then already that number compared with five or 6% on organic social media, like that number speaks for itself. So I know that to my list, when I send it out, I get, well, open rates are a little bit tricky these days because of the Apple mail privacy stuff that's come in. But as a gauge, I know around 35% of my subscribers are going to open an email. And I know that on a great day, maybe 10% of people are seeing my Instagram stories at the moment. Yeah, you know, it's more like five. So the numbers stack up in favor of email marketing. If you can get the same number of people on your email list that you've got on your social, then when you send an email out versus a social post or story or whatever, more people are going to see it in the email. Um, that's just facts. <laughs> it's just how yeah. it works. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's really leads us really nicely onto, I think, you know, with social media, we're quite comfortable with like indicators of whether we're doing well so whether it's likes on a post or comments or new followers with email like what sort of stats are we looking at to kind of gauge how we're doing yeah so you should be looking at click rate is going to be the most important one to start with and then conversions I'll just touch on open rates really quickly because this is something that I think a lot of people don't know about actually back in September of 2021 Apple brought in something called mail privacy protection, which means that anybody receiving email on the Apple Mail app, so just receiving email there, which is millions of people across the world, they are hiding whether that person opened the email or not. So by default, it will look like they've opened your email, even if they haven't. Okay. So... Really, this change has suddenly kicked in as more people, I think, have got Apple devices, perhaps after Christmas. So we're sitting here and recording this in March of 2022. I have seen a massive uplift in my open rate from sort of December, January time, where it's gone from an average of around 35% up to over 47%. And I know that that is not a nearly 10% uplift in open rates. It's false inflation. So your open rates are going to be massively inflated. So I'm really sorry if you're looking at your open rates. Yes. Smashing it with email marketing. It's gone up 10%. Unfortunately not. It's just, it's looking like they're opening it and they're not. You can still spot trends. So have a look at your open rates and, you know, you can see trends. If you've got an email that seems to have tanked, then something is going on there in terms of the subject line didn't work or whatever. But really, we can't use open rates as a reliable metric anymore. 
So for me, I'm focusing a lot on clicks more than ever before. How can I get my subscribers to click on my stuff so that one, I know they're actually there opening it because if they've opened, if they've clicked, then they've opened it. And just to get that number up so that I can clean my list based on people who aren't clicking versus people who aren't opening because that's not accurate anymore. So it's really important. And then I know I mentioned conversion rates. So I have a good idea of when I send out an email, if I'm sending it to a sales page or, you know, sales call booking page or something like that, what the click rate's going to be and how many of those clicks are going to convert into inquiries. So this is the exciting thing about email. Once you test stuff and you start to get a good idea for your numbers, like your click rate and your conversions, you can set yourself a goal. So, you know, if you know that you've got I don't know, say 250 people on your list and you get X amount of leads from it. What happens if you get to 500? You can double it. So that's what gets me excited about email. It's that reliable that you can test out different things and see how you can increase your leads and your sales from there. Yeah, that is it's so exciting, isn't it? When you've got a little that more, that consistency of being and knowing that you can, if I hit this, then this will happen. Because I think otherwise marketing can just feel like a bit of a dark art if you're just relying on Instagram and the algorithm and whether you're yeah. doing reels or, you know, it's tricky, isn't it? So it is. Okay, fab. That's really, really useful. And then I think we were going to talk a little bit as well, like linking into that. We all, I feel a lot of my listeners are going to be really, really familiar with Instagram. So now that we're trying to get people to click on our emails, we're quite used to in our e, in our Instagrams, you know, getting that click. So, or getting that action. So comment below, you know, link in, click the link in the bio, mm-hmm. like getting people to take an action from our Instagram content. So I think you were going to talk us through some tips about how you can use those Instagram skills in your emails to get those clicks. (sighs) Yeah. So this is something I've been testing out recently to try and get that click rate up. Because as Mm. I mentioned, clicks are even more important these days because of the open rate thing that's going on. So I have just been looking at what works for me on Instagram, because I know I go on about how much I love email, but I do also love a bit of Insta. So what has been getting people interacting with my content in terms of like voting on polls or quizzes or replying to my question sticker, that kind of thing, and applying that into my email. So If you know that elsewhere in your marketing, you've shared something that got amazing traction, like tons of comments, look carefully at the message you were sharing and how you asked your followers to take action and apply that to your email. So it sounds really simple. And there is a bit more to it than that. So I know you're going to share at the end, but I've got a free training on this where I went through three specific things you can try that I've used on Instagram and applying it to your emails. And People that have done it have seen a massive uplift in their click rate. So as an example, my average click rate for newsletters is probably around 4%, something like that. I sent out an email with one of these tactics in recently and it hit 15.7%. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's a massive difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't selling, you know. So this is all about those newsletter emails where you're just dripping that content out, getting people to respond. So making it fun. I think sometimes we can get really bogged down in thinking email is maybe more serious than social media because it seems like a formal communication perhaps. But I encourage you to have fun with it. Test what's working on Instagram and try that in your email. So share some cool pictures, share a poll, get some people to click on links to vote on stuff. Yeah, so that's what I've been testing out and it's been working great for me. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely share the link to that masterclass because that sounds yeah. really exciting. And you're right. I do think sometimes we think of email as a bit 
bit heavier like you've got to write like a formal letter and mm-hmm. I think especially and a lot of us have come from like former corporate backgrounds where yes. that's really instilled into you like you know emails are kind not yeah, exactly <laughs> not for fun <laughs> they're for formal communication whereas Instagram you feel like on a story it's like oh it's going to be gone in 24 hours like I'll just yeah. have fun with it whereas it's like oh an email feels a bit more serious so yeah, yeah oh, I think that sounds fantastic I'll definitely share the link to that. Right. Okay. So the last few questions I wanted to just run through some logistics. So questions I see kind of reasonably often and just kind of help answer them for people. Mm -hmm. So one, I mean, this is quite a big question, but how do you get people to subscribe to your list? We sort of touched on it for e-com businesses earlier, but are there any kind of strategies that you tend to kind of talk to people about? Yeah, so I think when you're starting out, number one is to get an opt-in form onto your website. Or if you don't have a website, don't let that put you off. Whatever email service provider you're using, you'll be able to set up a simple landing page with your opt-in form on it. And it's really important to make this geared towards your ideal client. So folks are not going to subscribe to receive a weekly newsletter. Like Maybe the odd one yeah. will, but they're not going to come over in their droves to get weekly news. It sounds really dry. Nobody wants to sign up for that. So if your opt-in says sign up to my weekly newsletter, go ahead and change it ASAP and make it sound like something that's attractive to your ideal client. So what kind of stuff are you going to be sharing with them and how often are you going to be sharing it? So for my email list, I've given it a cool name. This is optional, but you know, my brand, it's Cheer Up Marketing. So I've called my email list the Cheer List. So you're opting into the Cheer List and I'm going to be sharing with you email marketing tips and advice, what's working for me. I'm going to go behind the scenes in my business and share what's working there. Um, and you're going to get a weekly email. So it's something like that. I've written it a little bit more succinctly, but you get the idea. So yeah. folks who want to get better at email marketing are going to subscribe to my emails when they read that. You know, it's really specific to that. And that's helped me to grow a list of people who are ideal clients for me because they're interested in email marketing specifically. So whatever your niche, whatever your service, think about what kind of stuff are you going to be writing about your emails and tell them that at the point where you're asking them to subscribe. So that's like the baseline level. You should have that on a landing page, stick it on your socials. That generic opt-in should be on your website, every page in the footer, ideally. The next level thing is to create what we call in marketing terms, a lead magnet, aka an opt-in freebie. Essentially, you're packaging up something of value to your ideal client. So whether it's a free guide, template, worksheet, free video recordings, exclusive podcast episode, whatever, and you are asking them to submit their name and email address in exchange for this valuable information, and then they're signing up to your list to get it. So that's like next level attraction. So I have one on my website, which is a 10 subject line tactics to get your emails open. So that's a PDF guide that I have, and I also have the masterclass that we've just mentioned. So you need to give me your email list, sign up to email address, sign up to my list to get access to that free stuff. And again, it's geared up to people who want to improve their email marketing. So they would be ideal clients for me. So think about where your ideal client is at and what you can create that's going to get them into your list at the point where, you know, you can then nurture them and move them closer towards buying from you. It can be tricky to get the right lead magnet in place because you've got to There's always going to be freebie hunters. So people just want to take the free stuff and never going to buy. You've got to think carefully about where people are at in terms of the buyer's journey and where you can get them in onto your list where they're just thinking about exploring maybe with something like you or buying the thing if you're e-commerce again. I did actually, I saw a hilarious um, thread the other day on a Facebook group, I think, and someone was asking for tips on growing their email list. Mm-hmm. And someone had said, oh, I got over 100 new subscribers on my email list in one day. And everyone was like, oh my God, how did you do it? How did you do it? I offered to send everyone a chocolate bar. 
oh my god that's and I was like, <laughs> it's like right okay <laughs> I love it so it's a bit of bribery and uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, the ideal clients though so that's that, exactly <laughs> so it was like it was that flip isn't it it's like well that's really great you've done that and if it's your ideal clients that's great that's but if it's not then you it's just, just random people, people. <laughs> exactly who wanted chocolate I mean I would have signed up to that but yeah so I think you're right it's that balance isn't it between getting the numbers and getting people right who are people. at the right people yeah yeah size doesn't really matter in the beginning <laughs> you yeah. just got to go for the right people uh, and then when you've got that down scale it from there the other great way I like to use to grow my list I've got those two lead magnets that I've just mentioned but also running free masterclasses so I make sure I do four of those a year and they are registration only so that has always attracted a whole load of people onto my list it's been a really great way and because they're coming onto a live training with me for an hour straight away thinking about automating the nurturing so they're getting like the welcome email for the webinar but then they're sitting listening to me for an hour so by the end of that they know already whether they like the cut of my jib or not and they're gonna leave if they think oh I can't listen to Kelly for a moment longer she's not my cup of tea um that's fine but you know they're gonna stay on the list if they like what they hear so they get a really rapid introduction like full-on to me and what I'm about and what I teach so I really like to do it that way it gets the right people on the list and they've had that great warm-up challenges are the same so if you're you know in the service industry a lot of people run a challenge like maybe in a Facebook yeah. group so whatever you're doing it's free advice or support for ideal clients make sure they register with an email address to access that support from you yeah, brilliant it's just always thinking is it everything you're doing how mm. can you get people onto your list and just get them to register in exchange for that yeah. amazing free advice mm-hmm. okay next one is I think we've kind of covered this actually but how often should people be emailing their list is that once a week is that where you say people should start yes ideally that would be the gold standard but I know from experience that when I say that to people they often freak out and think that is yeah. way too often uh, once a month feels a stretch for a lot of people so yeah once a week is brilliant and as I mentioned I'm moving up to twice a week and because for me that's helping me to sell more like the general rule of thumb honestly is the more emails you send the more sales that you make but I know that if once a week feels a stretch then once every other week will do um, especially if you're new to it but yeah I would say once a week and what I often see when people create one email a month is there is so much content in that email that it could actually be four maybe five emails you know smaller yeah if you're creating one epic newsletter or magazine style roundup of you know things that you want to share you're better off dripping it out more frequently in smaller doses and just doing one mega thing per month just because you want to be thinking about getting in your subscribers inbox frequently and imagine if you only do one a month obviously that's only 12 emails a year and like I said we've got a lot of emails coming in a lot of them rubbish so your email might be great but if you're only doing it 12 times a year all of those other emails are in there flooding yours out so once a week is just getting your name popping in that inbox over and over again and to build familiarity and that consistency to grow the know like and trust factor brilliant okay and double opt-in this is something that I think is one of those things like do I need to have the double opt-in or not could you just give us a quick overview of what it is and what your kind of advice is around that Yeah, so I'm a big fan of double opt-in if you don't know what that means it means that when somebody subscribes to your email list you send an automated reply that says great glad you want to be on the list 
to get your my emails from me, you need to click this link to confirm that your email address is correct and then you'll be added to the list. So one email dead clear needs to go back to say, click this link to confirm. You'll be able to set that up in your email provider, whatever tool you're using, they'll have double opt-in as something that you can go through a little wizard to set it up. But what this means is number one, it keeps anybody that types their email address incorrectly off your list. So you won't only get any gnails.com yeah. <laughs> or whatever, yeah. hotmails. Um, you're going to get the right people on. I am a big fan because I find that the people that double opt in are really invested. They really want the emails. I know that if you have an email provider like ConvertKit, does this where it shows you unconfirmed subscribers so you see a list of people that haven't confirmed and you can start to feel like oh, I'm going to switch to blocked in off I just want everyone to just get the emails but believe me the quality of the, the subscriber that you'll get from double opt-in is much higher like they really want your emails and that's going to pay off in the long term because they're going to get, you'll get higher engagement with people who have double opted in. It also protects your list from a technical point of view from spam bots. So occasionally I've had this happen to one of my clients actually, where your forms can get attacked by spammers and they flood your email list with a load of real email addresses, but false names. They do it to create confusion around the subscribers end. So they're suddenly getting loads of emails from people they didn't sign up to. And often it's masking something like a malicious attack to try and get their bank details or something. So warning emails can get lost in all the noise. Yeah. So if you suddenly get, it's quite rare, but like I said, it did happen to one of my clients that didn't have double opt-in on where you suddenly get a load of email addresses signing up and you're like, oh, it's great. Oh, I know where these are coming from. It's all oh, working. Yeah. yeah. And then you're looking like, oh, the name's like XYZ23459, but it looks like a real email address. Then that could be that you're being spammed. So yeah, you need to get double opt-in on there to protect your list. I would okay. Argue. Fantastic. And then lastly, I thought we'd just cover, are there any really common mistakes that you see time and time again that it might be worth mentioning? Yeah, I think a common mistake is perhaps not being clear on who you're writing to. So this is where you end up with sort of wishy-washy emails or or even for you as a writer, it makes it hard to send something out consistently. So the first thing to do if you're setting up your email from scratch or if you've been doing it for a little while but you may be finding it a bit tricky to keep up with is to really revisit that ideal client. So who are you writing to and have them in mind when you're creating your content. I know that it feels like email is a mass communication because it's you sending out one email to a mass of subscribers. But actually from the subscriber's point of view, it's one-to-one because they're just seeing one email from you to them. So it really helps you to get that engagement by thinking about who you're writing to, writing to them as a real person and not just, you know, subscriber number 72 or whatever, a hundred faceless people on your list. Like they are real humans. So Picture them when you're writing your emails and write as if you're writing to one person rather than to, hey, everyone, you know, don't address your email list in the mass, you know, terms. Like, don't say, hey, all. Say, like, hey, Kelly, what's going on? Like, I've been doing this today. How are you? So mention the word you in there. Make it feel like it's to them specifically, not a mass communication. Yeah. Oh, that's such a fab tip. I think that's really easy to do, isn't it? Just think like, right, I've got X amount of people on my list that I'm writing to today. Was actually, like, email is quite a... It's quite a personal thing, isn't it? Like when you're reading an email, you feel like it's coming from that person. So it's really yeah. nice to feel that like direct kind of connection. Brilliant. So I'm just going to talk really briefly about how Facebook ads link to email marketing. And every at the end of ep- every episode, I just link us back into how this marketing strategy can help your ads. And with email, it's kind of three ways, really. 
You can use ads to grow your list. And I wouldn't actually advise you to start doing this until you know you've got a lead magnet that works. So test your lead magnets out with your audience, with your social media, see which one seems to resonate with your audience, gets the right people on your list. And then at that point, use ads to go out and grow your list using using the lead magnet. And you can use the, there's a new think at the time of recording they're just rolling out a new way of kind of selecting your objective in Facebook ads so it would be the one you would want would be lead and you would want to you'd send people to your sign up page and then you would track the number of people who get to the thank you page once they've signed up. The second way of linking your ads to your email list is your email list, especially if you're growing it in the way that Kelly and I have talked about today, should be full of your ideal customers. It should also have people you could like in an ideal world segment out who've purchased from you. You're going to have data that is so, so full of information for Facebook to help them find your ideal audience on Facebook uh, for ads. So you can pull up the list, you can make an audience of your email list subscribers, um, and you can use that audience to try and help Facebook find more people like that. So again, kind of going back to what Kelly was saying, it's so important to have your ideal clients on your email list, because the more closely, you know, the more proportion of them that are your ideal client, the easier it's going to be for Facebook to find similar people. And then lastly, you can use your email list and your ads um, together as a strategy. So one thing, and this is probably more for e-com clients, but one thing that we can do is do a campaign to get people to add to cart or even a purchase campaign. So either one, add to cart tends to be slightly cheaper. So um, if you're looking to kind of really maximize your budget you could do an add to cart campaign where you target people that are likely to add your product to cart and then you use an automated email sequence to then convert them over a number of emails and actually if you're a lot of times I see that people's emails convert better than their ads do so that can actually be a really good use of your budget so you're like less using less budget on ads and using your ads like your emails sorry to really do like the heavy lifting so those are three ways that your ads and emails can work together. Okay, oh my gosh, I feel like we've covered loads of fantastic strategies and how you can use your email in your business. I, I know from experience, it can be quite easy to take in a lot of information and then not maybe do a huge amount with it. So I always ask my guest at the end of the episode, like what's the one thing you would tell the listeners to go away and do today? Like if they were going to do one thing, what would it be? So the one thing that I want you to do is to write out your next email and plan the next. So this is two things, plan a month's worth of content. So think about how can I deliver whatever I'm delivering on social media or whatever you had planned for one monthly monster newsletter. How can you chop that up and deliver four valuable storytelling nuggets of information over the next month that are going to resonate with your ideal client and you know get them to know like and trust you just that little bit more so planning is key to getting emails sent out whatever kind of project management tool you might use I use Asana so in there I know for the month ahead what I'm going to be sending out and why think about why what you're trying to get that ideal client to know or understand about you and what you do and what's the objective for that email in terms of, do you want them to click? Do you want them to listen to your podcast? Watch a YouTube video? Do you want them to go over to a sales page? Like, what are you trying to do? 
plan it out and get your next one written. So two things I'm giving you. (laughs) Hopefully that's doable. Brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. Brilliant. So if you have loved all of Kelly's tips and advice, and if you want more of all that good stuff, then first of all, you of course can sign up to her email list and see what she's doing every week. Free guide, which is the 10 subject line tactics to get your emails opened. And there'll also be a masterclass that you can get as well. So if you go to her website, cheeruppmarketing.com, I will put the link um, in the show notes you'll be able to find those two opt-ins um, to, uh, there. And if you just want to keep in touch with her and join her world, um, she has a fantastic Facebook group called From Spam to Wham, which is such a brilliant name on Facebook. You can go over there and you can also follow her on Instagram at Cheer Up Marketing. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Let's chat about email. So anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they're released. And if you have enjoyed these podcast episodes, I'd really love to ask you to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the major ways that Apple ranks their podcasts and it only takes a few seconds, but really does make a massive difference to new people finding me. Thank you again for joining me, Sophie, in this episode of Growing Pains. See you next time.